Next on BYU Sports Nation, no postseason for men's hoops. What's your reaction? What did we learn from the season, and what's next for BYU hoops as we look into the future, Conan? And the ladies put their dancing shoes on today. ESPN's Charlie Cream tells us what seed he thinks they'll get. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We are in Studio B. It is Monday, March 18th. I am Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is filling out his bracket, so I'm teamed up with the bracketeer, Jason Shepard. I believe that airs on BYU TV immediately following this program. The Rocketeer? Oh, is that not what you just said? <laughs> I think I saw the Rocketeer, the Sarah Shell and Orem when I was like I've 11. still never seen that movie. I don't remember anything from it. So yeah. there, so there's that. But uh, <laughs> it's the day to fill out your brackets. BYU, uh, not in the bracket, of course. Much more on the NIT and the fact that they didn't make it coming up. But congrats to the five BYU opponents that did make the bracket. Okay, Gonzaga, obviously. Nevada. St. Mary's really? somehow congrats? beat. Really? Yeah. Houston. And then Utah State. Utah State is an eight seed, the highest seed in program history. Congratulations to the Aggies. They won uh, the Mountain West it's title. It's kind of the year of the Aggie, right? It was. Uh, you know, big football win over BYU that I was hoping to forget, but you brought up. Uh, and <laughs> yet, somehow, BYU was still able to beat uh, Utah State back on December 5th. It was a good day. Yeah. yeah. So that was perhaps a low point in the Aggie season. Also, when BYU only won one game in 96 uh, in uh, basketball, it was Utah State. So congratulations to Utah State. Uh, still a way to throw shade, even though... You made the NCAA tournament. Here's what we got for you on today's show. What's the fallout for BYU hoops after no postseason for the first time in 15 years? We'll discuss. How high will the BYU women's team be seated tonight? We'll ask ESPN bracketologist Charlie Cream in 15. In BYU football spring practice, number eight today, we chat with the last of the Kafusi line, Devin. Uh, how is he different from Corbin and Bronson? You mean besides being a completely different person? <laughs> uh, no, they're like, uh, you know, all three of them are twins or something. But but first, here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Men's basketball does not get an invite to the NIT, and BYU declined to play in any other postseason tournament. Athletic Director Tom Homel issued this statement yesterday evening. The primary focus of the BYU basketball programs is to qualify for the NCAA tournament or as a secondary option, the National Invitation Tournament. With that in mind, we have determined that our men's basketball team will not participate in the other postseason events this year. The Cougars finished the season 19-13. and BYU women's basketball will find out its seeding and opponent tonight when the women's NCAA tournament announces its selections at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. As you mentioned a second ago, Charlie Cream's Bracketology has the Cougars ranked as a seventh seed, and he will join the program coming up in our next segment. The last time the Cougars were in the NCAA tournament was the 2015-2016 season. That's when we had Jetty Face. Will we have Jetty Face Part mm-hmm. 2? Uh, hopefully. Number nine, BYU men's volleyball beat number six, Pepperdine, in four sets Saturday night. Here's Lincoln. That's point number four. Malahi. Oh, my. No touch. No challenges. Game over. Felipe Gibrito Fajeda had a career-high 13 total blocks, the most for any Cougar since 2014. Off the block named Brody Ernest. 
BYU setter, the National Freshman of the Week this morning. And the Cougars host the BYU Invitational. Princeton Thursday night on BYU TV, McKendry, and then number two in undefeated Hawaii Saturday night on BYU TV. I know you're pumped for that one. We were talking about that earlier. Number 14, BYU Gymnastics top number 25, Southern Utah, Saturday uh, on senior night, and that was Friday, actually. Senior night at 196.550. All-American Shannon Evans scored a 39.475 to take first place in the all-around BYU will host the MRGC Championships Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern in the Marriott Center. Watch the meet on BYU TV. It's part of four broadcasts in three days for us. We have baseball Saturday as well. Yes, we do. Which will be our BYU TV debut. Very excited about that. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Like it or not, the BYU hoop season is over. 19-13 and 13 overall this year. The Cougars don't get an NIT bid. They choose not to play in the CBI. BYU probably too big of a program to play in the CIT anyways, and the Vegas 16 doesn't exist. So, Jason, what's your reaction to no postseason play for BYU men's basketball? Like Jerry Seinfeld chose not to run, BYU chose not to go to the postseason, and ultimately I'm, I'm not surprised. There was some hope of an NIT berth last week. I mean, I think, I think most people, once BYU lost to San Diego in the WCC tournament, just assumed, well, that's it. But then you started to see some of the, the NIT bracketologists still Which have is BYU in there. I don't want to pay I know, it's, it is a little <laughs> odd. But you started to see BYU still in some. You thought, well, maybe there's some hope. But it, it just became pretty clear BYU's chances of making it were getting slimmer by each day. The more teams that dropped into the NIT. Look, deciding not to pursue other postseason tournaments was absolutely the right move for BYU. I, I am 100% behind that decision. Established NCAA Division I programs do not play in the CBI, the CIT, the CIA, the Oregon, NCIS, Oregon and Washington have ASAP. Before. I understand that. That's They're fine. both in the NCAA tournament. I, I understand. This year. That's fine. That's their decision. I don't believe established NCAA programs. Look, the teams, in my opinion, that jump into those tournaments. Those, those are for programs that either haven't been to the postseason in a really long time and need it to help springboard their program to the next step or teams that have a really young team that can benefit from more games. That's not BYU. I, I have no problem whatsoever with BYU choosing not to play in those tournaments. I'm with you. And last week I said it was NIT or bust. I didn't want BYU to play in the CBI. In fact, I used the phrase pathetic. Um, and it would have been. And I'm glad that BYU has written and submitted a statement as to what they do. Luckily, we haven't had to ask this question for a long time. It's always yeah. been NCAA tournament or NIT, and, that, and that's a positive thing for sure. But certainly it is a negative not to make the NIT this year. Uh, BYU would not have benefited greatly, in my opinion, and, and I think you agree as well, in playing in the CBI. I don't think it would have done much for this program. I, I think that BYU needs to uh, regroup, figure it out, uh, try and find another big horse or two that can help vault this team into the NCAA tournament, hopefully in the next couple of years. But it's been a long time since BYU's been in this situation, which is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The last time BYU didn't pl- uh, participate in a postseason tournament was 2005. It's been a long time. It's been a Stats long time. Uh, yeah. So, What were you doing in 2005? That was my freshman year at BYU. It was my freshman year. Yeah, it was a yeah. long, long time ago. Yeah, I, I know. I only had like, two kids back then. I have four two, now. I have two right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's that's that's a long time. And as as disappointed as everybody is, 
that stat obviously hopefully gives you some some positivity that BYU, to your point, it's not something BYU's had to deal with in a very long time. With the season now officially over for men's hoops, we can now look back on the 2018-2019 season as a whole. What are your final take- What are your final takeaways from the men's basketball season? If you go by wins and no postseason berth, it's the worst season BYU's had in 14 years, right? In the oh, jeez. Yeah, it's it's. Listen, I I said last week it could have been 13 and 19. Like it could be a lot worse, but it could be a lot better. So um, it is what it is, right? It wasn't a good year. You can call it a bad year. 19 wins is is not necessarily bad, but it's the program standard is really high. It's NCAA tournament or bust. I think that's probably too aggressive now, given how good Gonzaga is. Given the consistency of St. Mary's, BYU is clearly the third best program in the league at this juncture based on some of those metrics. And if you look at the NCAA tournament, BYU was getting into it, but it feels like there's been this shift where it's harder for a BYU or a St. Mary's to get in. St. Mary's was going to be left out for the third year in a row unless they pulled off the miracle, and they did. Did you say you think it's harder for BYU to reach the 20-win plateau? No, to get into the NCAA tournament. 20 wins, I don't think that 20 wins is a metric for um, gauging real national success at this point. I think internally it's a really nice number, and it means you had a good season. Don't get me wrong. I will never complain about, like, oh, BYU got 20. That's a good thing. But if if the standard is making the NCAA tournament. Which which it is, because the program says that. You need to get to 25. You need to get to 25. And I think BYU didn't have the horses for this schedule. BYU was aggressive. They were trying to get to the tourney. It ended up being too tough. The word that comes to mind when I think of this season is odd. It was an odd season. Eight non-conference wins was at least two fewer than I expected. I expected this team... With two more non-conference games this year. Yes, I, I expected to have right around 10. Uh, so, so that was different. And, and that the, going out of conference play... You know, the people were people were disappointed. Fan base was, you know, grumbling and whatnot. But, but once WCC play began, things started to change for the positive. You had you had the the, the quote unquote bad losses. BYU didn't have any of those. The win over St. Mary's at home was big, and then you had that stretch where BYU won at USD in overtime. You had the win at Pepperdine that really seemed to put BYU on a trajectory for a legit run in the WCC tournament, whether that, that meant winning it, but at least making it to the, to the championship game at a minimum and a guaranteed NIT spot. What changed everything, at least to me looking back on it, was that the loss at home to San Francisco where you had the double-digit lead late yep. in the game. That, that seemed to change everything towards the end of the season. And even though BYU was able to get another win heading into the tournament, just, just the, the – the blowout loss to the Toreros, that was just the capper. It was just an odd season for BYU basketball. BYU had a lot of blowout losses and down the stretch. Multiple three-game losing streaks. Yeah, that, that was... But, but they overcame that once they got into WCC play, and right. then the San Francisco game just seemed to change everything. The last three and a half weeks were very different. They were very different, and it cost BYU the NIT. And uh, uh, I guess the 20 wins and a kind of a weird feeling to the end of the season. So now we look ahead to 2019-20 because guess what? 18-19 is over, and we don't want to talk about it that much, obviously. <laughs> uh, Jason, what's your way-too-early starting lineup next season for BYU Men's Hoops? Yeah, this was, uh, this was an interesting one for me. It, it was fun to think about what... 
is possible. And the lineup that I came out with is actually a, a pretty small lineup. Now, BYU played with a smaller lineup this year because they ended up losing some big guys. But for me, this is my way too early starting lineup for next year. I have four guards, TJ Haas, Nick Emery, Jesse Wade, who's now obviously eligible to play, and Connor Harding with Gavin Baxter in the post. And I, and I, I understand that you could certainly make a case for starting Zach Selyus in the starting five instead of Connor Harding. I, I totally get that. But for me, I think Harding needs the minutes. Yes, it's a small lineup, but BYU did it this year. I, I think you put your best five out there and go to work. Harding will be an all-West Coast Conference player by the time he's done here, whether it's his junior year or senior year, maybe even next year. I don't know. I think he's a really skilled player. I think that Connor Harding's development, once he was on the bench, kind of got stunted, like Nick Emery. BYU needed Nick Emery to be Nick Emery. I don't know if we'll see him be himself again. Like, I think what's gone on off the field, is, uh, off the court, has been so traumatic that it's affected him in a great way, which I totally understand. I really like Nick Emery as a player, and I'm hoping we can see him him back be himself, right? Um, I agree with that starting lineup. We'll see what kind of inserts um, affect this team. I think we think Jesse Wade's going to be a starter. Trevin Nell's off a mission. Uh, Colby Lafson. Shang-Zi Lee is a big guy. Bernardo Da Silva is kind of a 3-4 uh, kind of guy out of Wasatch Academy. I don't see a four-man right now that kind of steps into the starting role at the moment. So I, I'm with you. I think BYU goes small, either with Zach Selyus or Connor Harding. And again, it's way early. And if you're looking at this squad, I see the NIT with this group. Um, I Potentially the NCAA tournament in the next two years. I think BYU is at least two years away from the NCAA tournament, barring uh, a St. Mary's-like miracle run where they take down Gonzaga in Vegas. And we saw that that's possible at St. Mary's. I would love to see BYU pull one of those off because Dave Rose hasn't won the tournament quite yet. That would be amazing. Um, and St. Mary's showed kind of the blueprint. This is a BYU team with some skill. Perhaps initially, just on paper, might not be good enough to make the NCAA tournament, just looking straight up. Maybe there's a a guy they bring in that's kind of off the radar, a grad transfer, a JC guy that could have a major impact on this group. We'll see. I think it's, look, I mean, this is is a, a team next year. We still don't officially know what's happening with Yoli Childs. There, I'm assuming he's gone uh, yes, unless I, I, he comes back. Yes, I'll be shocked. I am if assuming he comes back. the same thing. Right. But I left we both left yeah, we him both off. We both left this, him off because we going. just assume he's probably going to turn pro. Now if he comes back, obviously your NCAA tournament chances increase a lot. I'm still not sure BYU is an NCAA tournament team at that point. I would hope they can be bubblicious. I it's so fun when they are. And it's just a weird feeling today. Not having any postseason game. It it is. It's, it's, it's a very odd thing for BYU to not be involved in something. And, and, you know, I mean, that's – and I, I think they're all feeling that. I think that the team's yeah. feeling that, the program's feeling that, the university's feeling that. I mean, this, this is – obviously, this is uncharted territory. Our question of the day, what's your reaction to BYU not participating in a postseason tournament? Let's get to your responses in the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Tagger Barron from Facebook. BYU had only a slim hope of the NIT, so not surprised that didn't happen. Right decision not to pursue the others. Time to let it go, regroup, prepare for next season, and hope Yoli comes back for one more. Uh, you can hope, but uh, <laughs> I think he's going. Uh, at Twigger Stone on Twitter, not really surprised. BYU limped through the end of the season. They had a chance to make a statement by beating San Francisco. Since that loss, the team has not seemed the same. 
Yeah, you got to finish strong. You really do. And by the way, San Francisco didn't make the NIT either. So how disappointing is that for those guys? Because the NIT that surprised me as is well. significant for San Francisco. For BYU, it's a disappointment. It's kind of different standards, right? San Francisco goes from six out three and a half weeks ago to totally out of the NIT. And they, they, I don't think they're playing in a postseason I don't believe tournament. that they chose to play either. Now, that one surprises yeah. me a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, San Francisco does seem to me as a team that could benefit from that. The CBI, CIT thing. The NCIS. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the ASAP. What, <laughs> Rocket Man. <laughs> ESPN. <laughs> Coming up, will we see BYU lighting up scoreboards this fall in football? Kalani Satake thinks so. And ESPN's Charlie Cream tells us where he thinks the BYU women will be seated tonight. It's Selection Monday, baby. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Baseball jumps out of conference play to face Utah Valley tomorrow night in Orm. You can listen to the game on BYU Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Great to have you. If you missed the show live, you can always download the podcast or watch video on BYUSN.com. Our question of the day, what is your reaction to BYU not participating in a postseason tournament in men's hoops? More of your reactions coming up. The good news for BYU fans, the women women are participating in March Madness in the Big Dance, the NCAA tournament, and the man from ESPN who is the bracketologist. His name is Charlie Cream. He now joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Charlie, it's great to have you on the show again. Oh, it's great. You guys do great work. It's great to join you. Thank you. You're too kind. Uh, It is Selection Monday. This is a big day for a bracketologist, right? Um, I imagine the committee just asked you what you thought, and then they'll just do your picks. Is that how it works? (laughs) <laughs> it should. Now, I, I like that suggestion. I think it should work that way. I am all for making that change, and I, you, you help me get it done, and, and we'll be. this will be a real easy process from this day forward. Can you put into words just how much work goes in to get to this point in the season? Well, it's, it's interesting. It's sort, of, it's sort of like an upward slope. You know, it, it starts obviously at the very beginning of the season. We start doing kind of, I start doing bracket projections weekly, uh, right after the first of the year, kind of when conference play starts, and it just keeps on ramping up and ramping up. And the attention around it, whether I'm leading the attention or the attention is kind of coming my way, it's tough to it's tough to define that. But it just keeps ramping up and ramping up. And in February, it gets pretty intense. And, of course, once we hit March, uh, especially this year where the selections are a little bit later in March than we normally get, so we've had more time here in March to sort of absorb and digest this. It, it's, it, it's pretty intense in March. Bracket updates every day, shifting teams on a constant basis, having to make decisions on the fly as, as teams win and lose, and especially in conference tournaments going back a, going back a full week um, when, when the majority of – the bigger conferences and the WCC as well play their conference tournament. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of work as we get into February and March. It's a lot of fun, but, um, but it's, it's, I would consider it kind of like a, a pedaling a bike uphill. In, in the beginning, it's, you're kind of in eighth gear, and then by the end, you're, you're cranking it like second gear, trying to get, you know, trying to get faster and faster. And uh, it culminates in tonight at 7 Eastern time, the selection show. Uh, in your latest bracket, as of 11 Eastern last night, you have BYU as a seven seed. Has that changed at all? 
No, that's the, the the bracket that came out late last night was kind of my 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 final draft. My I turned in my final exam, uh, and and that's where we're at. Everything's kind of locked in, waiting for tonight. And I think I think we're looking at. I think they've got by winning the WCC tournament, by seeing some other teams not win their conference tournaments, and and seeing what that's done to their RPI and, and kind of their, their, their overall body of work as it relates to some of these other teams. It was always very close, have, you know, having BYU as a nine and then an eight and, and then having them kind of creep up to a seven. I think that's, I, I, I I'm going to, I'm going to bet on that. I think that that's, I think I've got that one right. I think BYU w- would be a seven. They could be an eight. I, I mean, I have them as the last seven. So you, you might be kind of splitting hairs as to whether they're 28th overall or 29th overall. But I think you're looking at a, a, a solid possibility of one of those two. But there's obviously there's there's where seeding really matters. I think, as opposed to in some instances, seeding not such a big deal if you're if you're a uh, say a six seed versus a seven. Sometimes that's not really that big a deal. But if you're a seven versus an eight, and you know an eight means that if you do win your first game, you're looking at one of the number one seeds in the in the next game, and and that can depending on who the who the two versus the one would be, that can be a massive difference. For instance, if my bracket were the bracket that the committee went with, um, even though BYU is the last seven, it's a good, it's a pretty good matchup for them if they were to get, say, Iowa in the second round. Iowa's the weakest two, and BYU gets placed there because of geography and some other bracketing rules. That's that's a good that's a good setup. If they if they fall one spot on my overall board, then they become the eight. And they're likely going to play in South Bend, and Notre Dame would be their second opponent. Big difference between Notre Dame and Iowa. So being a seven here is a, is, it's, could be huge for BYU versus being that eight. To give our fans an idea of just how much BYU helped itself with that win over Gonzaga in the championship game, had BYU not won that game, where do you think their seeding would be heading into tonight? Versus a seven now, which you think, where do you think it would have been had they not won that game? It certainly would have been no better than an eight. Uh, and, and then we would get into the scenario I just painted. Um, so, I, so that win has the potential to be huge for them. It may have gotten them out of an eight, nine game. It, it gave them having, you know, the three wins over Gonzaga, a team that the committee had in its first reveal in the top 16 First of all, it, it proves that the two earlier wins in the regular season were certainly no fluke. And, it, and it was, it, yet Gonzaga came into that game with some injuries, sure. Uh, but it proved that BYU is at that level. And if you're, you know, if you're starting to talk about where Gonzaga can, should be seated versus where BYU should be seated, uh, that, that now carries some weight when you're talking about three wins. So it was, it was pretty big. And I have Gonzaga now as a true six. But because of a procedural situation, had to be bumped to a five. So in reality, the two teams are pretty close to each other on the overall board. We're talking with ESPN's women's basketball bracketologist, Charlie Cream on BYU Sports Nation. Explain to us the difference, if there is any, in terms of how the bracket is made on the women's side versus the men. Well, it's number one, you don't have these first four games in the women. You have 64 teams versus the 68 in the men. So that... That adds a little wrinkle to at-large and teams, and and of course the evaluation process is different because the, that now with the, with the men going to the net evaluation system, kind of their own concoction that 
none of us are exactly sure. We know some of the elements that go into it, but we don't know the breakdown or how the math works or if there's even math involved. So it's a little bit of a mystery. With the women, it's still the RPI. So and so the the RPI is the gathering tool, as is, is, is the, the committee likes to say, the, how they kind of uh, get – Bracket teams, or not not bracket teams, I shouldn't use that terminology for this, <laughs> but how they group teams and how they then then vote on those teams. And the RPI base is, is what it's based off of. Of course, the RPI is based on what your top 50 wins versus your you know top 100 wins. It's all based on the RPI. And the other thing that the women don't do that the men do is the, is the men have those true quads where you know your, your quad one win is a – a win over a top 30 team at home, a win over a top 75 team in a neutral court, and a win over a top 100 team on the road. Well, that can, it's not broken down like that in the women. It's strictly quad one is a, is a win against the top 50 RPI team, period. It doesn't matter where it is. doesn't matter how much it was by. doesn't. None of that's taken into consideration. So it's, it's very strict and black and white with the women. It's a little bit more um, leveled and varied with the men. I'd like to see, even if the women don't want to adopt the net, I'd like to see the women – go to a, a kind of a quad breakdown like I just gave for the men where the where a road victory is, is looked upon with a little bit more value than a home win and and there's some weighting given to that but the, but now that the men have gone to the net there's actually a big difference between how this stuff is evaluated because the the, the math the metrics are different Charlie, I fully realize asking you this question is is somewhat odd because the definition of a surprise is you don't see it coming. Are there any surprises you expect to see tonight? Anything that could be somewhat of a surprise uh, in this tournament? Well, as far as what, what we're looking at seeing tonight, um, you know, the things that I am that would surprise me, or things that things that everybody's kind of got their focus on. It would surprise me at this point if Tennessee does not make the field, even though they've been a a very much discussed team in or out, or should they be in or should they be out. So, I, But at this point, I would be surprised if they're not in. Um, I would also be slightly surprised if my four number one seeds are not the four number one seeds of the committee, although I could see a scenario where they put Louisville as a as a one and drop Mississippi State to a two. Um, other than that, you know, I don't, I don't expect anything to be a shocker. If it is, then, then, then I'm going to be uh, – uh, different parts disappointed, mad, and confused. <laughs> because generally speaking, I, I you know the stuff that I've laid out uh, hits the you know hits the mark relatively closely to what the committee ends up doing. If there's very if there's a lot of variance to what they do to what I do, then then either um, I'm not then sometimes I question what the committee does, or sometimes I have to go back and look and see how did maybe how did I view this incorrectly, or how did I. How did I not see it the way that they saw it? So um, I'm kind of hoping for minimal surprises tonight. Well, Charlie, it's always good when we talk with you because that means BYU women's basketball is right. in the mix for the NCAA tournament, and that is the case, of course, tonight with the auto bid. We look forward to uh, ESPN's coverage tonight at 7 Eastern, and thanks for the time, man. You got it. Anytime, guys. That was Charlie Cream on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. I think a seven seed is is just great. Uh, Jeff Judkins told us last week in Vegas that they would prefer a six or eleven. Uh, the, so the that committee they can will be play like a three in the second round if they get. I'm there. sure they're going to call Jetty. Jetty, here's what we've got open. Which one would you like? Jetty will tell them, and then they'll just go ahead and book that. I think Jetty holds that kind. He has that kind of pull. Does he? They watch Office Talk with you.
on Facebook. <laughs> That's right. right. They're big viewers of Office Talk. Yeah, I, I hope that BYU could get up to a six. I don't think it's going to happen. So, and BYU is too good to be an eleven. What BYU needed to do was tank down the stretch, <laughs> then beat Gonzaga. No tanking. No <laughs> tanking at all. Coming up, Devin Kabusi. in high school. <laughs> Devin Kabusi is not Corbin or Bronson. Do we, need, do we need to keep pounding this, this situation in? That's a good thing, though. Spencer Linton goes one-on-one with the latest Kabusi. And is BYU going to have more of a running or passing mindset this season in football? Kalani Sataki answers that question after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation right now with Kiki Solano is your place for Cougar Sports with a social media twist. You can check it out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and IGTV. I still haven't heard if she made it back from Vegas. Did, did I have she not just seen stay? her yet. She might, so have maybe. Just, she might have just stayed. I don't, I don't know. Someone ought to check on that. Uh, welcome back. I'm Jerem. He's Jason. This is uh, BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Let's get to today's headlines. Men's basketball does not get an invite to the NIT, and BYU declined to play in any other postseason tournament. Athletic Director Tom Homel issued this statement yesterday evening. The primary focus of the BYU basketball programs is to qualify for the NCAA tournament or as a secondary option, the National Invitation Tournament. With that in mind, we have determined that our men's basketball team will not participate in the other postseason events this year. The Cougars finished the season 19-13. and 13. BYU women's basketball will find out its seeding and its opponent today when the women's NIT tournament announces its selections. That'll be on ESPN at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Charlie Cream's Bracketology, whom we just had on in the last segment, has the Cougars ranked as a seven seed. The last time the Cougars were in the NCAA tournament was back in 2015-2016. The nice thing about winning the tournament is that you know you're in the NCAA tournament. Yes. No drama tonight for the women, although we thought they were going to be in regardless. There would have been drama had the selection show been on TNT. Because they know drama. They do know drama. Number nine, BYU men's volleyball beat number six, Pepperdine, in four sets Saturday. Felipe Gibrito Fejeda had a career-high 13 blocks. I went to Brazil, I have to say it that way. The most for any Cougar since 2014. If someone's from Ohio, you would say their name in Ohioese. Off the block named Brady, uh, Brody Ernest, the National Freshman of the Week. This week, BYU hosts Princeton, McKendree, and Hawaii. And oh, by the way, Hawaii has not lost a set this year. Not a match, a set. <laughs> number 14, BYU Gymnastics top number 25 Southern Utah Friday on senior night with a score of 196.550. All-American Shannon Evans scored a 39.475 to take first place in the all-around. BYU will be hosting the MRGC Championships Friday. Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern in the Marriott Center. That will match will be that meet, excuse me, will be on BYU TV. I love March. I think it's the best month of the year for sports. I think October is the second best, as you have the crossover, right? Some begin, some end. Um, spring football is going on for BYU right now. Yes, this, it is. This is the first time we're talking about it in this program, 35 minutes in. So let's break it down. Practice eight is today, about halfway through the potential 15. The uh, open practice is uh, this Saturday at the old Provo High, um, where a lot of these guys, pl- you know, BYU West. Played. BYU, is that what we're calling it? Isn't that what it West was? Campus West Campus Field. Camp, BYU West Campus Field? Isn't yeah, that what, they, like what that. it was called? Yeah, but BYU West, I, that's easier, yeah. So uh, last week, Kalani Sataki was asked an interesting question and had a more interesting answer. He was asked if BYU is going to have more of a rushing mindset or a passing mindset. Here he is. No, it's a score-first mindset. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to limit us to running the ball. 
uh, whatever can get the points on the board. And um, aggressive-minded football is what we want. Okay, I, I like love that. It. I love it, it. It doesn't really matter how you do it, per se. And the BYU way has been passing, but obviously uh, Jeff Grimes coming from the SEC, it's kind of run first, right? You, you set yourself up for a more manageable third down. Then you couple that with what Jeff Grimes told us in terms of expectations for his offense uh, a couple of weeks ago on the program. I think the next thing, the next step for us on offense is to go from being an offense that's that's um, hopeful that we'll go out and score 50 points to one that expects to go out and score 50 points. Ooh, half a hundy. So Pity. we've talked about this, and let's continue to because we have a lot of time until the next game. Uh, but how much better do you expect the offense to be, or will the identity change now that it's full go Zach Wilson, year two Jeff Grimes as the OC? Look, I think there certainly are natural progressions going from – the last half of last season into this year. You know, everyone talks about the up-tempo, and I actually asked Zach this question. Everyone's talking about the up-tempo offense, and and I asked him, I said, how much of that is a conscious effort to be faster, and how much of it is just a natural progression? Because everybody knows the offense, you're able to run it at a quicker pace, and he says it's, it's a little bit of both. But I like the attitude of going out there and being aggressive on offense, pushing the tempo, putting the pressure on the defense. And I love the fact that they're even mentioning the number 50. I love that. Whether it happens or not remains to be seen, but I love that they're going in with that mindset, absolutely going with that mindset. Yeah, 50 is the pie in the sky, right? It's like two or three times a year, maybe. Sometimes it's been once a year. Jerem, every game. (laughs) Every game, nice. Um, Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, there's some blue goggles for you right here. 50, <laughs> hey, yeah, 50, my blue goggles but, are natural. Yeah, right there. 50 again. Blue, yeah. blue eyes, everybody. You had blue braces, now blue goggles. Okay. <laughs> that what BYU did uh, the the year and a half, and then the the next half year. A lot of that to me had to do with um, Ty Detmer's offense in 2017. Tanner Mangum as a quarterback wasn't the same guy we saw in 2015, right? I think this has everything to do with Zach Wilson and what we think he can do. Because if you if you tell me, okay, Joe Critchlow, I'm not thinking up-tempo offense. I'm thinking kind of more pro-style. He's going to make a good throw. It doesn't necessarily matter what speed you go as long as uh, you get into the end zone and enough into the end zone. If BYU averages you know, 35 a game, I'm going to be a happy camper regardless of tempo. Okay, And BYU is going to need to run the ball. They're going to need to do it without Zach having to exert himself like in the Utah game because he's going to get hurt if he keeps running at that pace and not sliding, right? Um, and we've seen that with Taysom Hill, a bigger, stronger dude. Um, so I, I'm with you. I'm excited to see kind of where this goes. And it has everything to do with Zach Wilson's skill set and the fact that he is now a sophomore in the sophomore. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you on Zach. He has everybody's attention. He has fans excited. And I agree with what you said. You know, we're, we're talking a lot about the up-tempo offense. And, and one of the reasons is it's... It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch an up-tempo offense. But at the end of the day, it's all about scoring points. If, if you have the if you're best tempo and you go three and out, yeah, that's it's not I mean. exciting. So honestly, if, it's, if you have to slow it down in order to score more points, then I don't think anybody cares about that. And how did BYU beat Wisconsin? They didn't go up-tempo. They were very regulated and slow. And that, that game plan won. That game plan worked. I think if BYU had been up-tempo against Wisconsin, they would have lost. By double digits. Uh, so it depends on the matchup, too. And I like the idea that you can kind of mix and match there. But BYU will certainly go a little bit faster in how many days again? Countdown to the youths. 164.
164. Okay. Did I'm going to go with did four. Did you not get my text? I'm going to go with four. I did not get that text. Oh, and quite frankly, even if I had received <laughs> said text, I probably would not have joined you on Our that Our question one. of the day, would you have said foe or four? <laughs> also, what's your reaction to BYU not participating in a postseason tournament in hoops? At Coog Mac on Twitter. It is the dose of reality we need. 20 wins isn't really a great benchmark anymore. Now that we haven't even accomplished that, hopefully this will be the spark we need going forward. I think it's a benchmark for a good season, but if you really want to be in the mix for the tournament, you've got to go 25-plus. Look, there is... And, evi- and Dave averages 25. Yes. Um, he's hit 20 in every season. There were a couple 30s there. It's been pretty good. So when you don't go 20, that's pretty disappointing. The coaching staff evaluates the season every year, win or lose, positive or negative. I would hope so. That happens regardless of what takes place during the season. Coming off a season like this where the wins were lower, you know, the performance was in the in the tournament was not what was expected, there will be evaluations about everything. This, this coaching staff, they're not going to sit on their hands and not do anything. Of course, of course. But will the changes be made to get BYU back in a bubble position? That's the question. That is the question. Coming up, he's number one in our hearts, but where does Jimmer rank in the all-time college hoops list of great players? Mm. Number one as well. No. Uh, and next, Spencer goes one-on-one with the latest Kafusi to don the Cougar Blue. Uh, Jason's wondering if he's Corbin or Bronson. No, I'm not. This is BYU Sports Nation. He clearly is. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Number nine, BYU men's volleyball hosting the Princeton Tigers at Smithfield House Thursday night. You can watch the match live on BYU TV and the new BYU TV app at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Just updated this morning. Yeah, there's a new logo, by the way. It's, it's very for, cool. Uh, yeah. BYU TV yeah. and BYU Radio. You know how much I love to update apps. You like you love it more than anyone I've met in my entire life. Like when I see that apps I need to be updated, I get very, very excited. Yeah. Well, uh, perhaps the the newest Kafusi <laughs> is the newest edition uh, updated of a Kafusi defensive lineman. His name is Devin, six seven two twenty five, similar in size and demeanor to Corbin and Bronson Kafusi, but he's not the same guy. Spencer Linton spoke with Devin last week. Let's find out how different he is compared to his brothers, shall we? Devin, you're essentially halfway through BYU spring football. Where have you noticed the biggest improvement from you and your team up to this point? Um, for us, I'd say it's, it's our mentality. Um, we're really kind of focusing on being different. Coming into this from last season, looking forward to this season, there's a lot of potential, of course, but we've got to be different to really get into that. We decided to take it upon ourselves to be a different BYU team. We've got to see some changes um, in many areas. So we can see the changes in the outcomes of games. And so really just the mentality that's kind of been um, spreading through our workouts, uh, the mentality here in practice, everyone really holding themselves accountable. There's no, uh, no shyness. It's, you know, it's time to ask questions, make mistakes, make mistakes 100%. We just want everyone to, to rise to the occasion. I saw a picture of you posted wearing the number 90, which yeah. you have on here now, and people automatically said, that looks a lot like Corbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you think uh, you compare to Corbin right now, not just in terms of a physical appearance, but where you are as a football player to where he is now as he prepares for the NFL draft? Um, man, let's see. Um, I mean, when it comes to us, you know, a lot of people see us as all the same, you know, tall, big guys, we're number 90. Um, Cor- Corbin, on one hand, when he was coming through his college experience, you know, he was trying to do the basketball thing as well and football. Um, which is, now that I'm, in, I'm doing this football thing, it's been amazing trying to 
understand how he did both of them. Um, for me, being, being the younger brother of Bronson and Corbin, it's, I've had a lot of time to observe and kind of take kind of those mental reps and, and really just, just to soak it all in and learn. And now that's been my turn to you know, take over the, the number and take over the reps of this team. It's, uh, I'm just trying to, to be, be the best me and hopefully the, the, the best Kafusi. So that's the goal. <laughs> How are you different than both of them? Not just on the football field, but in life in oh, general. I, oh, man. Well, so those two are really close in age. So when, when they get together, they're like little kids. <laughs> and so the, I feel like the responsible one, the, the, the mature one, kind of tell them to be quiet or, you know, hey, like, take it outside. Um, Difference-wise, um, they're pretty loud and loud, I'd say. They're loud and funny guys. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of the more laid-back one, so to say. We're all kind of laid back, but I'm kind of more the reserved one. Um, serious. I take things pretty serious. And so um, that's, that's probably the big difference, I'd say. I see these epic posts on social media of Kafusi gym days. Oh, yeah. Where, like, you and your brothers and your family, you all show up, your sisters, and you work out. What's that like? Yeah, so Saturdays when everyone's off and stuff, we, we all meet up at the gym on Saturday and out in Orem. And it's kind of just our family time. I mean, we're kind of weird it's like that tacky family that works out together but i don't know we, we really like it because we all know how important our health is for all of our especially us boys and um all of us playing sports and doing athletics and and, and so just being able to kind of be with each other it's kind of our, our special family time to to talk and talk football talk life and get a good workout in and so uh it's really fun i enjoy them a lot how would you explain your skill set as a football player? If someone were to come up to you and say, tell me about Devin Kafusi, what can he do, what's his skill set? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, you know, being 6'7", there's not many 6'7 football players. And so I, I really like to pride myself on my speed and my length. Being able to um, go back and forth between the two, use them together. Um, that's what I've been focusing on, just kind of using the length of my arms and, and my speed to, to shed blocks uh, meet blocks and get off and get to the ball. Uh, also with that, just um, coming to pre-snap reads, just understanding the game in general, just kind of uh, knowing our opponent and kind of hopefully getting the edge on them through what I'm able to see before the ball is even snapped, which then allows the other part is just doing what we do best is play hard and make plays. There's a lot of family advice that you have to deal with between dad and two older brothers. How do you cycle through all of that and, and not get overwhelmed by it oh yeah for sure for sure me i'm kind of the, the stubborn one when it comes to that stuff um but my brothers they just say you know ask a lot of questions now it being my start my second year and then they say ask us questions and they always say if i were you i'll take that film right home to dad and have have dad grill you for all this stuff <laughs> and it, it's tough but um you know it just makes us better that's kind of part of the taking responsibility as a teammate of this team, is taking responsibility of um, what I can do to get better and then uh, improving on that. And so a lot of advice, a lot to be said, but, um, you know, we just, we just smile and work hard and just keep being consistent with it all, and then we'll see the results. There's a lot of excitement about the role that you will play on this specific BYU defensive line. What makes this defensive line with yourself and Kairos Tonga and others unique compared to the team that was here last year? Um... I think it's just seeing uh, those strengths. Um, me just being biased as a D lineman, you know, I think the games are the, the tone of the games and, the, and just kind of the outcomes are, are in the trenches. And 
seeing you know someone like Kyrus and and Zoe, those guys in the middle, I mean it, it and there's better and healthier and stronger each year. It really allows us to to really expand on our our scheme as a defense, where they can then fix someone you know kind of unusual like me at six seven, and kind of put us in the right spots so we can make the right plays. And so that, that's what I love about spring ball. Everyone, um, we're building off our strengths, and then we're able to just you know just load up and be ready for whatever comes at us. What's the defensive line room like, just from a mentality aspect? Um, for us. Defensive line room, we'd, um, we're definitely the closest unit, I think, on, on the team. And we have a lot of fun. Um, but with this year, we really have no one really knew. Everyone kind of has been around. And so, like I said, this that responsibility. There's, no one has to be told what to do, really, or said. Everyone recognizes it. And that's kind of what we've been doing so far is everyone's coaching each other. We have enough you know, experience and enough uh, knowledge to know to when we see those mistakes. Um, instead of Coach um, Turaki telling us, I have you know, Trajan telling me, or uh, we, have, we have Kyrus helping the interior D linemen, because um, that's just really what we believe. We know what to do. We just got to do it and hold each other responsible for it. You receive a lot of advice from your family. Now it's time that you give them some life advice. What life advice would you offer to your older brothers oh, as the mature brother? <laughs> um, man, if I, I give my brothers some advice. Um, <laughs> let's see. It's kind of tricky because, you know, both of them are really great. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say just keep being them. I mean, they've always been my heroes because um, they've been their own person. And so... As they're going off wherever they may be, you know, playing football or later in life with a family or a job, it's, uh, they're my heroes for who they are. And so I really think just believing in who you are and what you can do is, is the best thing that you can do and the best person you can be. And so uh, that's why I would just tell them. Devin Kafusi, dare I say the best Kafusi. <laughs> hey, um, I'll make it happen for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks to Devin Kafusi, Spencer Linton from practice there. The first family of Provo, the Kafusis. They're fantastic. They're yes. doing like a they're doing like a web series keeping up with the Kafusis. I know, it's way. it's actually pretty good. I actually belong to the same gym as the Kafusis. So I have actually you party with them? I, I have not worked out with them, oh. but I have seen I smell the between Caf- the lines. The Kafusi family workouts yeah. in action. I've seen it. It's impressive. Let's just say there's not enough plates uh, for them, <laughs> which is awesome. I love them. They're great. Coming up, who gets our rise and shout-outs? Go ahead, tell everybody. Right now, yours. Go. Uh, It's called the Tease. And Jim Fredette is one of the top 100 college basketball players of all time, according to who and what number was he? This is BYU Sports Nation. Thanks to today's guest, ESPN's Charlie Cream and sophomore defensive lineman Devin I'm Not Bronson or Corbin Kafusi. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we had no time for you. If you missed any of today's show, you can always download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Coming up on tomorrow's BYU Sports Nation, Jeff Judkins, my Jody buddy. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Men's basketball does not get an invite to the NIT. BYU declined to play in any other postseason tournament. The Cougars finished the season with a record of 19-13. and 13. Women's basketball. Tonight, the WCC tournament champs find out where they're dancing on ESPN 7 Eastern. ESPN's Charlie Cream told us he thinks the Cougars will get a 7 seed. 
Volleyball. Number nine, BYU men's volleyball beat number six, Pepperdine. Four sets on Saturday off the block. Named Brody Ernest the National Freshman of the Week. This week, BYU hosts Princeton, McKendree, and Hawaii, who was very good. Gymnastics. Very good underselling it a little bit. <laughs> right now, they're elite. Number 14, Brigham Young top number 25, Southern Utah, Friday on senior night with a 196-550. All-American Shannon Evans. Scored a 39-475 to win the all-around. BYU hosts the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Championships Friday at 8 Eastern in the Marriott Center on BYU TV. Baseball. Dropped its opening WCC Series to Gonzaga two games to one. The Cougars play at UVU tomorrow night and then host Portland on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Softball. Cougars went 0 for 4 at the Tennessee invite against number 6 Tennessee and number 11 Texas. They played each team twice. BYU looks to snap the six-game losing streak Tuesday at Utah Valley. Jimmer was named to Slam Magazine's top 100 college basketball players of all time. The Jimmer came in at 97, which is way too low. Cougars in pro hoops. He was a national player of the year. I think it'd be hard. Elijah Bryant scored 16 points in a 107-74 Hopewell Elliott win over Gilal Gaboa. Football. Salt Lake Stallions beat the Memphis Express 22-9. Former Cougar Jordan Leslie had three catches for 21 yards. Tennis. Number 25 men's tennis beat Pacific at St. Mary's this weekend by a combined score of 8-1. to Cougars have won 11 straight matches. And BYU women's tennis team fell 4-3 to Utah in the Deseret First Duel at the BYU Indoor Tennis Courts on Saturday. Cougars continue WCC play against Gonzaga on Friday. Who gets your rise and shout out, Jason? I'm going to give it to Heather Olmstead. The Governor's State of Sports Awards were given out, and BYU women's volleyball head coach Heather Olmstead was named the Utah Female Coach of the Year. Men's volleyball, two really big wins over UCLA and Pepperdine with the third-string freshman setter Brody Ernest. Congratulations, BYU now in second place in the league. Our Question of the day, what's your reaction to BYU not participating in a postseason tournament? Let's get to the Elite Voice of the Day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, celebrating 50 years. Brett King on Facebook, time to rest and regroup. I'm sure no one is more disappointed than themselves, uh, in themselves than the team. I still love my Cougars. I think they'll learn from this and bounce back next season. They had some good ones. Yeah, conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Show on demand, BYUSN.com. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Ty Shippen, BYU Sports Nation. Back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern.